Welcome to Product Knowledge, the podcast about creating and marketing products that improve people's lives. I'm Andrea Schwabi, Director of Media Services at Graphos Product. With me, as always, is the President and CEO, Laurier Mandin. Now, most product marketers have heard the name Alan Clement. If you don't recognize his name, you're probably familiar with the ideas from his book, When Coffee and Kale Compete, Becoming Great at Marketing Products People Will Buy. If you don't know the name or the book, this episode of Product Knowledge could be a turning point in how you think about marketing. In fact, the conversation was so good and enlightening, we just kept recording until we were out of things to talk about. As a result, we've split the conversation into two parts. In this first part, we learn what it means to say that a product has a job to be done in the mind of the consumer. In part two, we'll get more granular with the details of thinking about that. Alan Clement is an entrepreneur, author, and speaker. For years, he's explored the root of why people make the buying choices they do. His conclusion, people buy things to improve their life. The process of using a product to turn an existing life situation into a desired one is something Alan Clement calls a job to be done, and he'll explain that in just a moment. We spoke with Alan Clement from his home in New York City on the 4th of July. Here's part one of our conversation with Alan Clement. Welcome, Alan. How are you? I'm doing great. Great. You're in New York, right? I am in New York. And how is New York right now? New York is uh, hot, and it's actually... Fourth of July weekend, it's Independence Weekend, so it's it's very deserted right now, but uh, in some ways that makes it kind of fun to walk around. So you didn't go out of town for the weekend or anything? No, no, I, I had a lot of work to do. No, oh, there you go. Okay. Now, I, I just realized on the website, you're actually giving the book, When Coffee and Kale Compete, you're giving it away, uh, and yeah. you're not even asking for contact information. So <laughs> why are you doing that? Yeah, so I have to admit, when I began this, there was no big strategy in mind. It was always, I have an experience doing businesses. I've, and then I went the route of working for other people and then learned a lot of stuff. And then before I kind of jumped back into starting another business, I wanted to sit down and really reflect on what I've learned. And then you know, and, and a great way to do that is to force yourself to write a book. And so I did that and I just figured, okay, well, I'll just share what I learned with the rest of the world. And there you go. <laughs> you know, if, hopefully people will find it helpful. Uh, if not, if anything, it was at least helpful to me to defrag my brain as, as people like to call writing. Yeah. So there was no, you know, it was never really a intention to like, build any kind of business out of it. It was not like a marketing thing. It was purely selfish. And then if other people find it helpful, great. Well, and you've become, you know, someone, a go-to person in product marketing as a result. And and I came to to know about you, I'm trying to think, it was many months ago when I when I bought the, the book online on Amazon. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of people have referred to the book. I was at a, at a podcast conference just uh, two weeks ago, and a guy named Justin Jackson, who's a product guy, well known, he put your book up on the screen and uh, and suggested the people at that read at that conference read it. Um, so so you know you're you're easy to find online when when someone's searching for jobs to be done. You've done some podcasts of your own. I I appreciate the altruism of it too, because for for people like me who are always looking for new ideas. Uh, it's always a downer to have someone who has a really good insight and then you have to pay to get access to it. That's that's a little bit right. frustrating, you know. Yeah. Um, well, the other thing too, and maybe I, I was, I'm kind of aggrandizing myself here, but 
you know, uh, thinking back, you know, like some of the best, like ideas and knowledge should be free. So what you pay for should be, you know, the delivery of that, you know, whether it's like a workshop or a physical book or, you know, a Kindle that I read on my device, uh, you know, that that's what you kind of should, should pay for. But I think that if we all kind of believe that knowledge should be free and shared freely, then I think that's how we should operate too. So I kind of had that in my mind as well. Well, and that leads us to the first big question, which really defines the entire thing, which is tell us what job to be done actually means. Well, simply it's this idea that consumers adopt a product because they're trying to make some change in their life. So it's not about focusing on the product it does necessarily, or even how you interact with it, but how your life changes, how things around that product change as a result of adopting it. And so then the, the job to be done is, well, what change is your consumer hoping to make as a result of adopting the product? Um, and it's called jobs to be done because, you know, as, as we've been kind of investigating this, this phenomenon and, and learning more things, um, we've learned once you shift your, your thinking in that way, you start to kind of recognize other characteristics that, that are happening. So like, for example, it's called jobs to be done because once you recognize that it's actually the change that consumers want, you de-emphasize the product and, and what it does. And then once you do that, you recognize, well, actually consumers don't really want your product, nor do they, do, do they really want to use it. So really what's going on is, well, they're actually hiring your product to do this job of making the change for you. And it's much like the relationship between an employer who has a job and they hire an employee to do the work for them. So that's kind of why it, it's, it was called jobs to be done. In marketing, we talk a lot about that from the point of view of, of our clients is our job isn't just to create marketing and create, you know, pretty images and, and fancy wording yeah. for them. It's to take that client to what their desired future state is. And that's why they come to a marketing agency is they want to achieve progress and, and to be in a better place when, when the campaign is done than they were in now. Right. Yeah. I think that's a better way to, to think about it. Think about the product as, as an enabler, right? You know, that it's a change agent, right? It's a change device. And that's kind of really what I want. What I want is, so when you're selling a product, you're not, you know, quote unquote, selling the product, you're really selling to the consumer some change in their life. And your product is just some sort of enabler, some sort of feature that makes that change happen. Yes. And I like in the book that you say that when, uh, when the buyer purchases the product, they're hiring that product to, to, to do the job. And they're also yep. firing another product at the same time oh, in yeah. order to do that. Yeah, so that's interesting. We've, I've, I, I'm going to change that wording a bit uh, in, in the future. I, I try to keep it simple by, you know, having it be zero sum like that. It's not always like that. Um, it is, you know, they are probably a more precise or correct way of saying it is. Well, they're firing, you know, some old way of living and working and operating, and hiring a new way. Yeah, and yeah, so exactly. Can, yeah, they may be firing. Yeah a system that wasn't very effective yes. or very efficient to use a, you know, a product that, that brings it all together. Right. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think actually it's kind of funny you use, use the word system. That's what we call it now. We call them solution systems. Actually, if, if one gets a kind of our technical thinking of it, we don't, we actually say that consumers adopt solution systems, not really even like products because it's, it's very rare that anyone just uses a product entirely isolated by itself. There's always, it always kind of interacts with other things or connects with other things also. Yeah, well, and that brings us to another point about, you know, when you talk about that interaction, um, there's always the risk factor when you have those dependencies and you refer to yes. those as, as fragile interdependencies. Can you tell us a bit about what, what those can look like? Yeah, so this actually happens a lot. Actually, um, there, there's two... There's two businesses I'm, I'm talking with right now who are facing this problem. One is very established and, uh, and it's been around for a while, but they're kind of running to this problem. And another one is a startup. And basically, these companies had, had built their business proposition upon like very functional thinking, right? Um, so like I'll use, um, one of them actually uses uh, insurance for landlords, for example, right? It's a very functional thinking. Oh, landlords want to buy insurance or want to make sure their tenants are insured. So we need to help them do that. Or tenants need to make sure that their apartments and things are insured, you know, because of laws or, you know, because they're worried, whatever, whatever, whatever. So let's just offer some solution for that. So it's, it's very like functionally driven, but then they, and this always happens. They realize that that only takes them so far, and that and that's because they were really just offering, not really even a co. Well, here's what it was: they had no vision about what progress that they were delivering to consumers, right? What what new me, and they had themselves no vision about how that what their customers should be like. So they were just looking at landlords, for example. We use this. And thinking, oh, landlords have this problem, so let's let's just make some product that solves that quote unquote problem, as opposed to thinking, well, wait a minute, how should landlords protect their properties? You know, like what should they be doing? What technology should they be having? Should they have insurance? Is there another way of doing it? Should they have electronic stuff in there? Should they have monitoring? You know, all this kind of stuff, and. I think that's kind of like having that vision is really how you how you get around that. So, coming back to to your original question about the fragile interdependencies, that usually happens when, you know, you build your product around, you know, usually offer like a feature or based upon like someone else's feature or someone else's failing or someone else's platform. Um, you know, usually, because you're just kind of like filling a gap somewhere that someone else has created for you. Yeah. As opposed to what you should be doing, which is having a vision for what what you want your customers to become and then thinking about, okay, well, how are all the different ways that we can do that? Here's 10 ways. Well, we, you know, we have limited resources, so we can't do 10. So let's choose one and start with that one. Yeah. I think of when I go and stay in a hotel room, sometimes they'll have a speaker system and it'll have a, a docking port for like the old iPhones, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And and to me, that's a that, that's a fragile interdependency where that speaker is now absolutely irrelevant because of a change that was not within the control of its manufacturer, right? And, yep. and stores were, yep. were stuck with thousands or millions of those things when when that that change was made. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I think it kind of comes from a a you know a very kind of 
I call it problem focused thinking um, as opposed to solution focused thinking, which that's a very interesting topic to go into if, if you want to. But I, I, you know, like people like Apple or these other organizations, which are really great, they are actually, I would say they are solution focused, right? They, they're always thinking about, you know, how should people mm-hmm. listen to music, right? How should computing be? Uh, you know, how should your, your reading experience be? How should you be using the internet? So it's very solution focused um, as opposed to problem focused, which is really problems are just created by the design of the system of today, right? So you're always looking backwards and kind of going back to your thing. It's like, well, someone identified a problem. Ah, you know, there's no easy way to dock my phone to the speaker. So let me just create something for that. But you're just responding to how things are designed today. And then if things change in the future, which they will, you're going to be SOL. You're listening to Product Knowledge, the Graphos podcast about marketing products that improve people's lives. For someone who's developing products, obviously to me the, the answer to that is, is not to develop solutions that, are, um, that require something else in the middle or that are, that are just responding to um, the yeah. problem of using a, an existing product. Even when you have an integration that, you know, I think of there's so many tools and we, with, with websites, we integrate Google Maps into all the websites we build and then Google changes its API and now thousands of yep. websites are, are broken, you know, and, and around the world, it's millions of websites again. So, yeah. you know, you have these interdependencies that uh, you're, you're building around things as if they're static, but the thing yep. is people are graduating all the time, right? And, and products are graduating. Yep. yep. Unless, um, if I could, before we move on, I will comment. That's not necessarily a bad strategy unless, as long as you understand what you're doing and that maybe even make your business around that. Like, for example, I, I think there are hardware manufacturers who their business model is to actually like make dongles. Like, that's what we do. Yeah. So we understand that we're in the business of making adapters, but we know that, like, you know, our business is not to make one particular adapter. Our business is actually to make sure, it actually, it's kind of, it's, 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 it's really more job syncing. Right? We're not in the business of just making adapters. We're, at, we're actually in the business of helping our, or helping customers you know, make sure that all their stuff always works together, even if they're asynchronously buying stuff. Exactly. And if that's what your business is, then every time there's a change, it's a new opportunity, right? It's, it's yes. A, you can sell the existing adapters plus whatever new one is needed. Yep. Yep. Is, is the jobs to be done process, like when you're thinking about product and product development, is it sort of an iterative, iterative process? So <clears throat> I, I got into 3D printing about a year ago and got my first printer. It was, it was fine. It was good. It wasn't a great piece of hardware, and it failed. It died. So I got a new one, and it had a couple little pieces that were updated and changed, and they were better, and then it died, and I got another one replaced. The difference between the first version and the third version was completely night and day in terms of the user experience, and it was actually much more a pleasure to use, and it was answering a bunch of questions that I had about 3D printing. There were just issues that, that sort of the, the new version solved. If you've developed your product thinking in terms of outcomes and goals, targets, and things like that, how do you shift? Like, how do you, how do you iterate your marketing to focus more on jobs to be done. Yeah. I, I yeah. want to add my own bit to that question. Do, yep. do jobs to be done change as the world changes? You know, as, because obviously the, 
as Andreas is saying, his needs with 3D printing, even buying the same device, you know, it's kind of upgrading in, in real time as as yep. he's as his needs are changing and his he's not going to yep. put up with low resolution and he's not going to put up with as much time as it used to take. And, you know, so these are, uh, those are two great questions and I'll have to kind of tackle them <laughs> separately. So the, the first one, actually, I, I, I want to comment on that because you, I've actually just recently, I'm about to give a talk on this or actually I recorded it a few days ago and it's going to be um, live. I don't know. in a few weeks from now, I think they're editing it right now, but it's, it's, um, it's a talk I just created. It's like, I do it for like 15, 20 minutes. And so um, if you watch me on Twitter, um, you'll, you'll, you'll find it. You'll find me tweet about it again. But um, it's, it's important to recognize that there's different types of value that, that consumers want and that we should not be reducing, you know, value to just a list of needs, right. Or kind of like look at it. just kind of like at, through one dimension. Now, where am I kind of going with all this? Well, because you, you mentioned the word about like goals and targets and, and outcomes. So um, I, in my kind of trying to understand and find better language around this, I kind of had to dive into the psychology of goals because I figure I'm sure there's people thought about this and figured all this stuff out, and which is true. Um, there's, you know, over a hundred years, there have been who knows how much research on goals and, and all the different types of goals and whatnot. So the, the first thing I'll say, and I'll kind of skip a lot of the interesting stuff and just kind of jump to what's most relevant right now, <clears throat> is that um, I think in the context of product design, we should be thinking about two types of goals primarily. One are, um, I call them usage goals, which in the technical sense, if you're talking to psychologists, they'd be called outcome goals. <clears throat> and then the other type of goal, which are called process goals. Um, technically, and I call change goals. So kind of in, in, um, in our language, think about usage goals and then change goals. So jobs to be done is about change goals, right? I'm trying to make some change in my life. Here's how I want that to be like. Whereas, you know, usage goals are, well, you know, how good or what are the means, like how well or how easy is it to use the means by which I'm enabling those changes and maintaining those changes. And the biggest difference between the two is that um, usage goals or outcome goals are like very short lived and maybe you repeat them over and over again. Right. You know, I don't know. Um, making sure, Oh goodness, I can't even think of a good one. Like, okay. Like for example, um, winning the Super Bowl, right. That's like an outcome goal, right. I want to win the Super Bowl, but really that's just like an outcome goal, which you really, or like what the team really wants to be is they actually, they want to be football champions. Right. That's actually the process goal that's always ongoing. And like that's how they want to think of themselves. Cause once they reach and win the Super Bowl, they don't just, oh, good job, guys. Well, yeah. let's, you know, we're done. let's close down. Yeah, let's close on the Patriots. Goodbye. We did it. Well, no, they want to win next year. And then when the year after that and the year after that. So they want to be champions. Um, so I think that's, you know, when you're thinking about the value and design your product you need to keep both in mind, right? Well, what are the change goals that we're helping create? Like going back to our kind of dongle example. Well, we are in the business of making sure that our, our customers can always hook all their gear together no matter what they update. But then the outcome goals will be, might be like more specific. Like, well, you know, I can connect this computer to that computer or you know, it, it's easy to unplug and update or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So the, I think that the job is to create 
to, to provide connectivity wherever that that user is, right? Yes. Where whatever they need to hook yep. onto, they have the the dongle yep. they need. Yeah. And then, uh, so then there's the um, what was the second thing you were asking about? Is it, it was also very interesting. I think we were talking about you know how as the world changes, as your needs oh. change, oh, kind, yes. kind yes. of how, how the job to be done changes as you use as yep. you as you utilize the product. So it's not static. Yeah, so this, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was actually, I think, an early version of of my thinking about jobs to be done was, and I, I used to say this actually. I think the very first draft of the book, I said that jobs jobs don't change. Um, but then after doing more research and thinking, discovering, I've I've I changed my mind on that. So, well, and they they evolve, right? They they don't yeah, tend to change see, see, suddenly exactly. unless the yes. need disappears, which can happen. But you yeah, know, see, like, well, the, the thing is, is that we should, it's, it's better to think about, and it's actually more accurate um, to think about a job to be done as a regulation process. So that the job to be done is help me become someone who can, and we'll use the dongle example, help me become someone who can always, you know, keep all their gear connected no matter what. And so once they make that change, then the job is done, right? They've made that change and they are, are now that way. However, you know, if maybe circumstances change, you know, maybe like there's a new, um, you know, Apple uh, creates a new laptop and they've totally changed all, all, all the outputs and I buy one of those laptops. Well, now guess what happens? That job to be done is, which I used to be done, is now like undone and I have to do it again. So now I have to re-regulate that goal of you know being someone who can always connect everything so i think that's that's the way to think about it is that they kind of like you know the job to be done it's like i'm i have some goal in my mind some you know process goal and then once i i achieve that then the job is done it kind of goes away until right um you know maybe it doesn't become relevant or maybe because some other disruption in my life happens which kind of reactivates that and that could be you know, um, maybe my, my personal goals change, you know, kind of like going back to, to the 3d printer, your expectations changed. So like someone somehow moved the goalposts for you. So that created a new job to be done for you. Cause you know, version one of you was like, Oh, I want to make sure that I can create you know, a coffee cup. You know, that was like version one of you. And then you did that, you know, job is done, but then maybe you see someone like, Oh my gosh, I can, I don't know, print smells or something crazy, right? So someone introduces a new way for you of thinking about how you could and should be. And that kind of reactivates demand in you again. So I like think about job to be done is like, it's, it's a demand for change that I want to make, but I can't do right now. What are ways that people can identify, you know, the job to be done for their product? So what you're doing when you're identifying jobs, basically you're looking at what are the jobs to be done in the market today? Meaning, what are the changes that consumers are currently paying for, right? And, and wanting to make and where are they putting down their money and buying things? And so when you phrase the question that, that way, it kind of becomes self-evident of, of, of how you search for them. And that is, well, you investigate why people bought a product, right? So you want to go from, well, wait a minute, on Monday, you were fine driving a sedan, but then on Thursday, you bought your first minivan. Well, what happened, <laughs> right? 
So basically, you, you want to find out, well, how is that job to be done created? So, oh, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to exaggerate. Well, on Tuesday, I got married, and on Wednesday, I had my first kid. And then on Thursday, I had to have a, 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 a minivan. Like, okay, well, there you go. Like, you, you understand how demand got generated, how that job to be done became, came, came to be. So we, we, we investigate consumers' choices they make in the market. Um, about why they're hiring a product for a job. And, and we do that because we want to focus on consumers' revealed preferences, right? What they're actually doing, not what they say they want to do. That's all for part one of Product Knowledge and our interview with Alan Clement. Graphos, you can catch us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Graphos Canada. You can also visit our blog at blog.graphos.ca. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe, like, or share the podcast with a friend or colleague. You can reach us at productknowledge at graphos.ca. Product Knowledge is the podcast about creating and marketing products that improve people's lives. I'm Andrea Schwabi. 